This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, The function of intelligence is characterized as focusing on questions of how to do and accomplish necessary life-supporting tasks. The function of wisdom is characterized as provoking the individual to consider the consequences of his actions, both to self and their effects on others. Wisdom, therefore, evokes questions of should one pursue a particular course of action. End quote. Those are the words of Dr. Vivian Clayton. Dr. Clayton has a PhD in psychology, which she earned from the University of Southern California. She's worked in both private practice and multiple educational settings as a professor and director. She has published a significant number of papers on and related to psychology, including Capacity and Undue Influence, Assessing, Challenging, and Defending, Dementia or Normal Signs of Aging, How to Tell the Difference, Life After Death, Assessing Capacity Retroactively, The Older and Wiser Hypothesis, and today's origin paper, Wisdom and Intelligence, The Nature and Function of Knowledge in the Later Years. And Dr. Clayton has specialized for decades in geriatric neuropsychology, which is, as defined by the American Psychological Association, an applied subspecialty in neuropsychology addressing the assessment and intervention of cognitive dysfunction in older adults and aimed at improving their function and quality of life. So essentially, Dr. Clayton has worked to assess cognitive function in older people and improve their lives. And this is an admirable and certainly difficult field, I'm sure. Few things scare me more in life than losing my mental faculties. And you likely have seen, directly or tangentially, the effects of age on someone close to you. It is, I would argue, one of the saddest, naturally occurring things that can happen to us. And likely it will affect all of us in some way in our lives. Either us personally, people close to us, or people whom we know of. And doctors like Vivian Clayton study this to better understand and address it. And Dr. Clayton has also written extensively on wisdom, which is the subject of today's episode. And wisdom, I would argue, is kind of difficult to define. Go ahead and try it. Think about a person who you would consider to be wise. Got a picture in your head? What are that person's characteristics? Smart, probably came to mind. Able to recall information easily? Maybe. Good at making decisions? Likely a role model for many, maybe even for you. Okay, so if we agree on those, we're talking about a smart, quick-thinking decision-maker that people look up to. Fair? I, I think so. I think that's a fair assessment of a wise person. Okay, so now, define intelligent. This is probably a little bit easier, but maybe not. An intelligent person is what? Educated? Probably. Highly educated? Maybe. They're well-read? They have a diverse set of experiences? Maybe a strong memory? Fair enough. I think now you have an image of both a wise person and an intelligent person. And if you imagine a Venn diagram here, there's likely a fair amount of overlap between the two. But it's not complete. There is a distinction, or multiple distinctions, rather. And I think Dr. Clayton would agree. In her paper, Wisdom and Intelligence, The Nature and Function of Knowledge in the Later Years, 
She seeks to tease out the differences between being wise and being intelligent. In the first two lines of the paper, she plants a pair of definitional flags in the ground. She says, quote, intelligence can be defined as the ability to think logically, to conceptualize and abstract from reality, end quote. And, quote, wisdom can be defined as the ability to grasp human nature, which is paradoxical, contradictory, and subject to continual change, end quote. And as an aside, I think that's a pretty profound observation of wisdom in general, that it is human nature, which is paradoxical, contradictory, and subject to continual change. I'd say that's fairly accurate. How often do you feel that you are paradoxical or contradictory or subject to continual change? I dare say every day, whether you realize it or not, you probably are. I know that I am. So I appreciate the definition of wisdom as the ability to grasp that human nature despite the fact that it is often paradoxical, contradictory, and continually changing. So this is interesting, isn't it? One is related to absolutes. Reality is, without going down the psychedelic substance rabbit hole here, fairly absolute. The front door is opened or it's closed. There is either precipitation falling from the sky, or there is not. You are either alive or you are not, right? These are absolutes, but they can change. Those are objective realities. The second is related to understanding something more fluid and dynamic, human nature. Human nature is not absolute. It's constantly in flux and varies individual to individual. Human nature changes significantly, individual to individual and across groups of people and generations of people. Just look at the difference between you and your parents, or your parents and their parents. Never mind you and your parents' parents. Imagine the differences. That's why there's always the old trope, back in my day. Because people claim a certain period of time, and that defines them as a human. Your time defines you as a human. Those two times are not the same, therefore the two people are not the same. And both are related, both wisdom and intelligence in this case, are related to understanding. But one is more static, while the other is ever-changing. And bringing these two similar but different tools back into focus, Dr. Clayton then goes on to say, today's quote. She says, quote, the function of intelligence is characterized as focusing on questions of how to do and accomplish necessary life-supporting tasks. The function of wisdom is characterized as provoking the individual to consider the consequences of his actions, both to self and their effects on others. Wisdom, therefore, evokes questions of should one pursue a particular course of action, end quote. And if you notice there, there's two words of emphasis, and those are not my emphasis, those are the author's emphasis in the paper how to do and accomplish necessary life-supporting tasks, and should one pursue a particular course of action. So that means that one can use one's intellect, or intelligence, to make a decision on what to do, and then one can use one's wisdom to determine if one should do that particular action. And that's even more interesting to me. And if I'm understanding this correctly, intelligence is being able to understand the world around us, the absolutes of it, and how to live in and amongst it. For example, intelligence allows me to replace a light switch. I know electricity is powerful and can be dangerous. I know it travels in wires and that switches are connected to those wires. And I know that homes are wired with breakers to interrupt the flow of electricity to allow maintenance. And I know certain tools are needed to do the job and how to research which switch is appropriate for my application. This is all intelligence. These are absolutes. The switch will or won't work. The power is on or it is off, 
etc. Wisdom, on the other hand, is less concrete. Per Clayton's definition, wisdom would provoke me to consider my actions and their consequences. To me and to others. And if I attempt to stick with the light switch analogy, can you guess what I've been doing at home recently? Then the issue is about far more than just the tools and physical principles which define my light switch swap. Now I must consider when I'm doing the task, for example. When I'm tired, well, that's probably not a good idea. I could be careless, I could get hurt. During the workday, probably not a good idea either, as it takes away from my job, which can hurt me professionally and compromise my income, etc. While my wife is on the phone, maybe? Also probably a bad idea. It might be loud, and if my recent activities within the house are any example, I'll probably say something profane. And this, all joking aside, is wisdom. Considering the shoulds in addition to the hows. Going back to the quote. Considering whether I should pursue a particular course of action which accomplishes a necessary life-supporting task. So wisdom is applying the shoulds to the hows of intelligence. Great. But I'd argue that wisdom also goes a step beyond even this. Consider again the wise person that I asked you to think about earlier. Got the picture in your mind again? What else makes that person wise? Perhaps they're measured in their acceptance of information and their processing of it. Meaning they don't jump to conclusions, they don't discard inconvenient information, and maybe they don't generalize people or ideas. Hmm, that's a, that's a novel thought. It sounds pretty wise to me. Well, in an excellent New York Times article by Phyllis Corky from 2014 entitled The Science of Older and Wiser, Corky points out that wise people try to understand situations from multiple perspectives, not just their own, and they show tolerance as a result. Seems she would agree with our amended definition of wisdom here. What else about the wise person? Maybe, are they older or younger than you? And I bet you said older, because that's what I would say too. Wise people hold a lot of information inside of them, learned over the years. They've read more books, they've had more experiences, they've maybe been to more schools. They've certainly had more run-ins with other people and experienced different situations, far more than your average younger person. Because they are learned over the years, these people tend to be older. It's why old, wise people are revered and respected in nearly all cultures around the world, modern or not. We, as people, intrinsically recognize that wisdom and age are correlated. That should come as no surprise to anyone. It's why, for example, you can't become president of the United States until at least 35. This is, in part, to allow time for you to accumulate learning and experience to apply to the job. And as a random aside, as a recently christened 37-year-old, I can tell you that that age is way too young to be considered wise. But anyway. So there we have it. From Clayton's description of intelligence and wisdom, we have defined for ourselves a wise person. A wise person is a smart, quick-thinking decision-maker that people look up to able to take in multiple perspectives and be tolerant, and who is likely older. So now that we know what wisdom looks like, what do we do with this? I don't think there's anything that's super revealing in this. Perhaps you haven't considered the difference between wisdom and intellect before, or wisdom and intelligence, as maybe Clayton has, and maybe you couldn't define it as deeply or as closely as she did. 
But you certainly know the difference. You know that there are plenty of people who are smart, but not particularly wise. And there are probably people who you would not consider to be particularly intelligent. They just have a wisdom about them, an experiential wisdom. That's why I say there's overlap between those two circles in the Venn diagram, but it's not absolute overlap. Wisdom and intelligence are not the same thing. And as we often do on this podcast, our charge is to go out and be better. So let us continue to work on ourselves so that we may become more wise and be the ones towards whom others look for wisdom. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.